Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing quantitative investing. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined by Frederic Abergel, Senior Quantitative Analyst. Welcome, Frederic, and thanks for joining me. Hi, Daniel. Very happy to be here and uh, share some thoughts with you on quantitative investing. So as an intro to all of this, I guess we can start by thinking about what we've all gone through. Uh, in, in 2022, we know that returns for almost all asset classes were negative, uh, with very few exceptions. There was, as we say, nowhere to hide. And even if things certainly hopefully will be better this year, we know there are still plenty of risks out there, uh, concerns about recession in the U.S. and Europe, uh, and so on. And that makes us think perhaps even a bit more about some of the characteristics we'd like to have in a portfolio. For example, ever more diversification to try to mitigate uh, some of that downside risk. And in general, you know, how can we protect portfolios? And maybe quantitative investing is uh, at least a parcel solution to some of those problems. But to start out, Frederic, for non-specialists, can you give us a brief description of what quantitative investing is? And what are the factors or signals you look for? And then how do you turn that into an investment strategy? I'll try to explain it by starting with a standard opposition between facts and beliefs. So traditionally, investment is all about beliefs. You think that some assets will gain or overperform in the future for some and some reasons, and you actually transform these beliefs into investments. Um, quantitative investing is more about facts. Now, of course, I'm being very blunt here, and let me say right away that facts are not what a mathematician would call fact, you know, something that is always true, always valid and undisputable. What I'm talking about in, for quantitative investing is more like statistical facts, that is, what other people would call market anomalies or features that you can identify looking at the market, looking at the assets, looking at the balance sheets or capital structure of a company. And these facts that statistically on average will overperform or underperform. So basically quantitative investing means looking into a host of time series of data, either market data or balance sheet data or opinion sentiment data, news data, etc., and try to extract from these data investment signals that are consistently positive over the years. Now, the factors or signal, I, I like the word signal because it's really, you know, what you want to do, someone is signaling you to buy or sell something. But uh, it's more traditional to call them factors. Some of them have been identified quite a long time ago. And what they are is essentially a way to violate the efficient market hypothesis. So if you start with the original work of uh, Pama and French on the efficient market hypothesis, many people starting in academia and then moving over to the professionals have identified some factors that if you apply them to a universe of stocks will rank the stocks according to their performances. For instance, you can think of the uh, momentum factor. Momentum factors is essentially saying that stock that have been overperformers over the last year, say, will tend to continue to overperform. And similarly, underperformers will tend to continue to underperform. 
So this is an anomaly in the sense that it gives you some predictive power over the future. Other factor, one that is well known as well, is the low risk anomaly or low risk factor. Stocks or assets in general, tradable assets that have a low volatility, tends to overperform when the performance is adjusted with respect to risk uh, compared to other stocks that are more volatile. These are typically factors that come from market data. So they're really, uh, you can read them on the time series of the returns of the asset that you are looking into. Other factors come from balance sheet data. Typically quality or value stocks are determined according to their earning ratio or uh, their relative value respective to their cash flows. And they have been identified as investment factors that is leading to market anomalies as well for quite a long time. Now, more recently, and maybe because this is, of course, an ongoing process, you know, all the time we think there is a factor, everybody tends to notice it in the end, and the factors become less and less productive. However, we continue to look for new factors. More recently, uh, data from sentiment analysis, you know, what people think in positive or negative of some companies, and also data coming from the supply chain, so the interaction between a company and its suppliers or its customers. These lead to the creation of new statistical factors, that is new investment signals that we can eventually turn into a strategy. Now, how do you turn a signal into a strategy? Well, the basic is rather simple. You essentially do a ranking of your investment universe. So assuming that you are looking at the S&P 500 components, so you have 500 stocks in the US market, and you're looking at the momentum factor, then you're essentially trying to rank the stocks according to whether they have a very high positive momentum and all the way down to a very low negative momentum. That way, you are able to build what we call a long-short portfolio, which is essentially buying the winners and selling the losers. So this is the very naive but rather efficient way of building a portfolio from a signal based on a factor. But of course, a long-short strategy is not always possible. Many of our customers have constraints on the funds that we sell them must be long-only funds, for instance, so we cannot sell the losers. But it's important to realize that we first started with this view of the world where, and that was following Fama and French original portfolios, we have ranked the universe and classified the universe into very good stocks for very good assets and very bad assets. And in between, there's a continuum of assets ranging from the very negative to the very positive. Very good, Frederic. You've talked about how you, you go about determining what stocks you want to invest in. Uh, but at the same time, as I mentioned, with, with any portfolio, uh, risk management is, is a crucial part of, of good portfolio management fundamentally. For example, most investors understand you need to look at concentration risk. What is the role of risk management or a risk model for a quantitative investment strategy? Finding a signal Okay, it's like the first step. It's like having an idea. So instead of having an idea because you believe in something, you have an idea based on statistical facts. But then you have to build some portfolio that is actually investable. So the risk model plays several very important roles and rather different ones in the buildup of a quantitative investment strategy. 
The first one is going back to this long short portfolio is to allocate to each stock a weight that you will eventually become the weight of the stock in a portfolio. I'm talking about stock, but of course, it's always, let's talk about tradable assets in general. And these quantities are based upon risks. So if you want to buy a stock that is very highly ranked in terms of, uh, let's say, the momentum factor or the quality factor, but if it has a very high volatility, maybe you want to diminish a little bit its component into the portfolio because its sharp ratio will be not as high as a stock with a similar ranking, but smaller volatility. So the the first basic role of a risk model is to allocate to each stock according to the risk that you are targeting for your portfolio. Now, I'm talking about long-short portfolio, but in general, it's long-only portfolio, of course. Okay. So again, a role played by the risk model here would be to be able to somewhat circumvent this difficulty by, say, you cannot sell a stock, you cannot short sell a stock, but you can always buy a stock that is negatively correlated with this one. Okay, And in some sense, this is more or less equivalent to a short selling position within the realm of long-only investment. So that's another capability that is offered by the risk model, which you wouldn't be able to foresee just by looking at the ranking, the original ranking in terms of the factor. Now, of course, the role of a risk model is also to measure risks. And it's quite important that the diversification that you mentioned earlier can be put in place by locating to a wide enough universe that the portfolio is not concentrated on too few stocks. Typically in a universe like the S&P 500, the risk model that we will use in the portfolio construction will allocate weights that are more or less big, large, but to every stock in the universe. So by construction, you will have a rather diversified portfolio. Then, of course, some weights will be very small, but the portfolio will not be highly concentrated. That's quite important. Now, let me focus a little bit on the specific role of a risk model for multi-factor investing. So, multi-factor means that the target portfolio that we have in mind, the theoretical portfolio, is not based only on one single factor, say a pure momentum strategy or a pure value strategy, but rather on some combination of all f- of many factors that in the end tend to avoid some traps, you know, being stuck with a factor that has not performed for a long time, and also to be able to benefit from different uncorrelated factors. Well, the risk model that you use has to understand what these factors are in the sense that it is important that the portfolio allocation is based on quantities that are similar to the returns and the returns are given by the factors. So we have recently developed some methodology based on the cross-sectional factor-based risk model, and which is rather new and rather efficient for our multifactorial investment strategies. Okay, we've gone through how you identify signals. We've talked about how you use a risk model to construct a portfolio. Uh, next step, I guess, then, would be how do you analyze the performance of a multi-factor portfolio? 
the simplest way and what people usually do, because that's very visible on a graph, is just to look at a backtest, okay? So assuming that you have defined some theoretical portfolio allocation based on some theoretical factors, what you do is you take a as long time series as you can, maybe 30 years, 20 years of history of the universe in which you are going to invest, and you pretend that you have been playing your strategy for the last 20 or 30 years. And then, of course, you look at the performances of such strategies. And you look at the performances, you look at the information ratio, so performance divided by risk. You look at the overperformance over the benchmark, of course. So it's not an absolute performance. It's an overperformance over the benchmark. And this backtesting approach will give you some first idea of whether there is something to, <laughs> to be gained in following this strategy or not. However, this is not sufficient because a backtest is just one path, you know, one trajectory of the portfolio. So what you want to do next is to look at some what we call sliding ratio, sliding information ratio, sliding performances. So say you have a small window of maybe a year and you shift this window al along your backtesting period and you look at the end of each year what has been the performance of the portfolio that you're looking at what has been the risk of its portfolio or its realized volatility what is the sharp ratio etc and this will give you instead of one number in the end so if you have a backtest you have 30 years of backtesting period you have one performance cumulative performance in the end. Here you will have maybe for each month, starting from the first year, you will have a full year of history in which you can measure the performances of the portfolio. And this will give you a much greater confidence into the realization of the strategy and whether it is actually efficient and um, not too risky. Now, once you have that, you can go a bit further again. So moving from the sliding sharp ratio, you should look at extreme events. So extreme events are whenever the performances is, of course, very negative because you should, but you don't care so much about very positive extreme events <laughs> because they are <laughs> very positive. So, But very negative, you know, like drawdowns, very negative extreme events are not welcome. So you will look at a strategy and identify the returns that say are smaller than two or three times the standard deviation. So if you look at monthly returns that are less than minus three times the standard deviation, you're looking at extreme events. And these extreme events should occur. I mean, this is real life. So again, as I was saying in the beginning, we have statistical facts. Okay, So overall, the strategy is performing in a positive way, but there are times where it's negative. So the strategy's return can be negative. However, if you have extreme events, then you can assess whether they happen too often with respect to your initial hypothesis or whether, unfortunately, they happen, but not too often. So this is a third and more in-depth analysis point of the performance of the multi-factor portfolio, which I think is really important. Thanks very much, Frederic. If I can summarize some of the really interesting points that you made, uh, I really liked your first phrase that uh, investing can be about the difference between facts and beliefs. Some investors believe something and invest on that notion. Quantitative investment is about facts or shall we say statistics. 
you talked about how you turn a signal or a factor into a strategy and kind of at its simplest level, you rank the stocks by a factor and go long the highly ranked stocks and, and short the lowly ranked stocks. Uh, but of course, finding the signal, uh, finding the stocks is just the first step. Uh, you highlighted how important the risk model is when you construct a portfolio so that your allocation to the stocks isn't dependent solely on their exposure to the factor, but also takes into account the volatility and the risk that they pose. And then the final key point is when you look at analyzing the performance, particularly of a multi-factor portfolio, and perhaps an advantage of quantitative strategies versus active strategies, uh, as you can more easily perhaps model how a portfolio would have performed in the past, and you can use that history to really test the portfolio, test the, the strength of the strategy and see if it's going to work, particularly when you have unexpected bad events in the markets. And as you pointed out, this is real life and those things happen. Well, Frederick, thank you very much for joining me. Well, thank you, Daniel. It was a pleasure. And um, I hope this uh, podcast will be listened to by many of our customers. Indeed. Uh, well, that's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. If you like Talking Heads, leave us a positive review and a nice rating. We recommend subscribing to Talking Heads on your favorite podcast channel. You'll receive your podcast episodes, to me. You'll receive your podcast episodes every Monday afternoon. Just before we go, I'd like to mention that Talking Heads podcast is available on YouTube. Visit youtube.com slash bnppam slash playlist and tap or click on Talking Heads. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris, and Frederic Abergel. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.